On this week's episode of Carolina Sports Talk, we talk NFL scores, a little NCAA football, NBA, your emails, big deal, no thing, and so much more. Let's go! Another all-new episode of Carolina Sports Talk starts now. Welcome back to another episode of Carolina Sports Talk. It's your main man, Big Cliff. Thanks for tuning in to us on your favorite podcast app. Next time, tell your smart speaker, play Carolina Sports Talk. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Carolina Sports Talk, or you can hit us up on the Carolina Sports Talk line, Cliff at carolinasportstalk.net. We got a jam-packed episode for you guys this week, so without further ado, we're going to jump straight into it. Welcome back, as always, my main man and yours, DJ Highstar in the building. What's good with you, bro? What's up? What's happening? What's happening, everybody out there in the sports world? My dog, my dog. How your weekend been, man? Shoot, everything was everything. was everything. everything. It's like just a post-holiday weekend, I'm trying to wrap up some Christmas shopping and stuff like that. Okay, you got an extra long applause today, man. The people really must have missed you, dog. So you are so you already finished your Christmas shopping. You locked and loaded, got everything good to go already. No, no. Just started of got it started. <laughs> right. All right, that's a mix. Man, um, I, I had a chance to um enjoy myself this weekend. I went down to Orangeburg, South Carolina, bro, for the inaugural, if you would, HBCU classic, uh, down at Claflin University. It featured matchups of Voorhees College versus Morris College. Uh, and then mm. Claflin University's men and women's programs took on Benedict College programs, bro. Uh, overall, awesome. say again. I was saying that's awesome. Yeah, overall it was a good experience. Uh, good, good matchups. Um, the interesting and the most interesting uh, portion, if you would, of the weekend or of the games that were there were um, a matchup of Voorhees and Morris, more specifically of the starting point guards for each team. Uh, keeping the, sh- the story, I guess, uh, short and simple and straight to the point. Um, Morris's point guard was giving Voorhees' guard everything he could handle offensively and kind of really giving him a little fits on the defensive side when all of a sudden uh, the, the guard for Morris, excuse me, for Voorhees decided he was going to tell him, hey, you better ask who about me, dog. You better ask who I am. And to, to the point where these two start beefing back and forth, uh, the referee stops the game already. There's not a whole bunch of folks in there. Um, I guess it was a holiday weekend or whatever it may have been, but um, you could hear every word that was being said on the court. The referee stops the game while they're um, at the free throw line and says, fellas, what is the problem? And Morris's guard just goes, uh, it's him. Apparently he's a big deal or he's somebody and he won't stop telling me. And so everybody in the gym at this point is laughing, but he's feeling some kind of way from Voorhees till he gets back down on the other end and says, yo, I'm like that. You better Google me. So naturally being who I am, Big Cliff being the sport historian that I am, I go to Google, buddy. And that's when I find out that he has been uh, dismissed from mm. three previous teams and is now on his fourth team, uh, mm. with the, the most severe incident being one where he attacked, first spit on, and then physically attacked a fan after a loss at his first program. 
So uh, the moral of this story is when somebody tells you this, they they bought that life and to Google them, you might want to <laughs> might right. want to take that time to Google them. <laughs> That's wild. And find out what they were, what they got going on. So uh, this guy, uh, it ended up uh, the, the matchup ended up in, a, in an injury uh, with the guard from. Voorhees actually sustaining what looked to be a torn ACL during the time. Um, so we wish him a speedy recovery. Um, and next year, when you guys see the Classic come through, make sure you go out and show some support uh, for the HBCU Classic held over at Claflin University. As so, some on social media would coin it the first annual. The first annual. First mm-hmm. ever annual. <laughs> yeah, but like, like I said, it, it was dope experience. And uh, shout out to the HBCUs and especially our alma mater, Claflin University. But... Go One ahead. more thing about it, I did see, I think it was Saturday morning mm-hmm. or Sunday morning, they had a brunch with uh, some NBA moms. So I think Shaquille O'Neal's mom was out there. I know for a fact um, John Morant's mom mm-hmm. was out there. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who else, who else's mother, but NBA moms were out there. So that was pretty neat. And I, like, I guess they had a brunch for them or something like that. Yeah, definitely. They, they, it was a whole weekend. I only took part in the uh, actual basketball games, but they did have the whole weekend, and, and that was a good highlight. So shout out to them. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about some uh, HBCU football a little bit later in the show, but at this time, let's jump into our NFL and give you the scores from the weekend. Week 13 started off with the Cowboys versus the Saints in Thursday night football with the Cowboys taking that matchup 27-17. to 17. Next up, the Colts against the Texans. The Colts blanked them 31-0. Lions over the Vikings 29-27, getting their first victory of the season. The Dolphins take care of business against the Giants 20-9. Buccaneers over the Falcons 30-17. Tom Brady has never lost, now improving his record to 10-0 against the Falcons. The Eagles over the Jets 33-18. Cardinals over the Bears 33-22. The Chargers are surging back into the winning fashion, 41-22 over the Bengals in the battle of the first-round rookie quarterbacks, uh, or second-year quarterbacks, rather. The Jaguars fell to the Rams, 37-7. The Washington football team still winning, 17-15 over the Raiders. Steelers take a victory, 20-19 over the Ravens in a last-second play. The Seahawks over the 49ers, 30-23. Chiefs over the Broncos 22 to 9 to continue their winning ways as well. And in Monday night football, the Patriots in snowy Buffalo took care of the Buffalo Bills 14 to 10 with their quarterback passing three times. Uh, which one of the games from this week stood out to you, bro? Um, I guess if, if, if any did uh, of the games that you watched, what kind of stood out to you this weekend? Um, <clears throat> Shout out to Gardner Minshew, his performance mm-hmm. out there in Philly. He did his thing. Um, there was one more from the weekend. I like the Colts defense and how they made a statement. I mean, it was against Houston, but still, shutout is a shutout. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, I, I wanted to give uh, the flowers to the to the Patriots, man. Um, they seem to have been in. Not disarray, but just in a, a a transition point at the beginning of this season where a lot of people just wrote them off and maybe they'll be a wild card, maybe they'll, they'll be decent and whatever. And then the whole Mac Jones, uh, Cam Newton thing came about. And let's address the taboo in the room, if you will. But <laughs> a lot of people thought it was kind of race related and stuff like that as far as the choice to go with 
Mac Jones over Cam and, and stuff like that. And we're now seeing how good of a fit um, Mac Jones actually is for the Patriots. So the Patriots, I mean, yesterday, Bill Belichick pretty much showed his hand. Um, you knew what he was going to do. Um, and they still executed and was able to do it. They were up in, again, like you alluded to, a snowy and a windy Buffalo. Um, very windy. So where whereas with the kickers, it was more or less like side to side wind versus like north south type thing mm-hmm. or like, you know, so so the uh, the throws were limited. And again, to your point. Uh, the Patriots offense was so disciplined that he literally, uh, Mac Jones literally, I think it was three pass attempts. Three pass And the attempts. reason I know this is because I was playing against him in fantasy. So <laughs> I was, and the, my fantasy um, margin, I'm, I was up by maybe 15 points, 20 points. So just a decent performance by him. And I knew it was a rash. Right. And I'm watching it the whole game and it didn't hit me till halftime. Like, oh, they're, they're slowing him down from any risk of, of any turnovers because of the mm-hmm. the wind conditions and everything like that, but they they were so disciplined. Ramondre, um, Bolden, and then the third uh, running back. Uh, I want to say White. Is it Damian? I think Matt. Yeah, maybe Damian. Man, all three of them in that offensive line for the Patriots. They really showed up and, and did their thing. Uh, so Matthew Judon uh, mentioned in his post game um, response, he's yeah, like, I "Saw that." Want to give a shout out to everybody on the offense except Mac. He really did no work tonight. Right, <laughs> right. And, and it is the pinnacle um, exhibition of who Bill Belichick is as a coach. Um, it's I've made, I've made no bones about it. I'm not a Patriots fan. Uh, I dislike them exclusively for what they have what they did to us in, in the Super Bowl. Um, several years ago, but at the end of the day, you, you have to respect Coach Belichick on, on what he's been able to do. Last year, there was a lot of him and hawing, a lot of words said on whether or not he was done and if it was really Tom Brady, because in Tom's first year away, he went and won the Super Bowl. Well, in t- in, in, in Bill, Belichick's first year with a quarterback that he really wants, I, I, can, I wouldn't be surprised to see him win a Super Bowl this year, which I think would honestly just supplant and really just solidify the both of them as the greatest in their respective positions as coach and quarterback in the history of the league. Yeah, it's funny that you say that. And Dam- Damian Harris is his name, by the way. But it's funny that you say that. My mentor that I always bring up, uh, Mixmaster T, he gave me a call earlier today. He's like, you know, um, you know, you guys could go ahead and give me a call today whenever y'all recording the podcast. Because, <laughs> of course, lifer, patriot, lifer, and, um, you know, just resident patriot fan, he's – his his expectations at the beginning of the of the season mm-hmm. was um you know he wasn't concerned or worried but at the same time he didn't have any heightened expectations similar to yours and you know of course I joke around a lot uh with your takes on the Panthers but similar to yours with the Panthers he wasn't um he wasn't anticipating anything great to happen but he was just taking everything as the season went along um and he Listen, like throughout the year and throughout the season, he's he always talks to me regarding that. Um, just like what that ongoing um, debate is, if you will, did Brady make Belichick or did Belichick make Brady? And he ultimately said they, you know, they made each other, which I totally agree mm-hmm. with. Um, and also, it's like the the elite thing about Brady is that he makes in the Kobe fashion, he makes others around him better and um raise their their performance level with Belichick um it was it was hard to see because it's been 20 years of developing this great quarterback if you could do it again 
but we're starting to see the early signs of his elite superpower of being able to develop a career quarterback that, you know, perhaps could be the face of a franchise. It's not, again, um, it's not something that I could say, oh, it's going to be, you know, uh, this guy's going to match Tom Brady's career. But with the, the the different things that he's doing for Mac Jones, just as small as having that game plan for him last night, is setting him up for success to where, as, again, um, Mac Jones is somebody that, not even gotten to the point where he can read defenses efficiently mm-hmm. and he's got this record under his belt you know as a rookie so he's he's kind of set up for success or set up to get that steering wheel next season and come right into the season and be like all right I'm ready for the next level he, this this entire scenario and situation is a poster child of fit matters with where and we've said it before on several several episodes with where Mac Jones came from and the coach that he had before in Nick Saban um, and the environment that he was in down in Alabama, he was primed, positioned perfectly to be the Patriots quarterback. At this point in his career, when in comparison to where Tom Brady was at the same point, as let's say as a rookie, he is a bit far ahead. Now, again, that's oh, not to say yeah. that he's going to be that much better than Tom Brady, but you consider that that system – where they are, where their similarities are designed and and primed to shine, he is that much better, and that's why it, it is such a, a more seamless transition. This is what they would have wanted last year, going straight from Brady into this type of player. And then we know with COVID and even with Cam being there, the, the things were a little bit different. But this is what they were looking forward to. Um, and honestly, it's 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 back to winning like normal there, uh, as you mentioned. Shout out to Patriot Patty too. I was just going oh. to say what you said with Mix Master T. Patriot Patty had the same similar. Okay, well, we'll see what it is. We're excited just to, you know, be headed in the right direction at the early year. And then they realize, wait, no, we're back to us again just that quick. Like, this one, I think, is going to mean more to them as Patriots fans, just getting the impression from them and all of the Patriots fans that I've spoken to. This one would mean more to them because when Tom Brady left, there was an expectation of, okay, what next? And then when they didn't do anything last year, it was the understanding, well, this is who we are. This is where we're going to be doing moving forward. So I think this one would mean a lot to them, if not more than some of the other ones, having had that realization that we are good, now we're not, but wait, we are again. And so kind of it, it, it's, it's interesting to see, and we're definitely looking and keeping our eyes on the New England Patriots. While still in the AFC, one other game that stood out to me from this week was the Ravens-Steelers game. That was one of the better games, not just of the week, but of the year to me. Um, it was a hard-fought game literally all the way down to the final play. I'm not sure if you got a chance to catch the game, but uh, in, in, in the final, really the final play, the Ravens had just driven down the field, um, had about 40 seconds left on the clock, scored, and rather than kick the field goal to tie the game, they decided to go for two. In a big rivalry game like that, I, I don't I don't hate that decision to be able to say, hey, we're in we're here in um, Pittsburgh. We, we, we've been fighting all game. Uh, we've just lost our third starting um, cornerback for the season. Um, we, we don't even want to play with this. Let's go ahead and go. And if it wasn't for an errant throw with T.J. Watt being who he is, um, causing Lamar to throw the ball just a little bit earlier than he would have to his tight end, uh, it, it, it corralled off of his fingertips and fell incomplete, losing the game. I don't hate the choice. What about you, bro? Do you are you a proponent of going for it to just to go ahead and win the game in that type of situation? Yeah, I mean, again, you said the key word situation. So uh, when you take a take into account all the elements and stuff like that, um, you know, 
there's nothing sweeter than seeing a uh, Boston um a Red Sox Yankees game end on a walk-off home run or a UNC Duke game ending a game-winning buzzer beater. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I I totally agree with that. With that decision, a lot of times you kind of um sending a wave through the rest of your team when you make a decision like that, like no, this is who we are. We're going to go ahead and take the win. We're not going to we're not going to pray that it's handed to us or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I know there are some coaches, um, and, and it seems to be more of a trend in all sports. It started heavily in baseball, and it's moved and made its way into football. Um, not so, so how much it is in basketball, but the analytics. And what do the numbers say? What do the percentages say? Um, looking at PFT, uh, Pro Football Talks, analytical side of it, they said that they had a 19% chance higher to win the game had they just t- kicked that extra point and tied it. But again, with their defense playing the, the way that they had been, and even though the Steelers weren't lighting it up, um, they, had, they had lost that corner. I don't, I don't I don't see not making that call just to go ahead and win the game. And again, if Lamar – I don't know Lamar Odom. If Lamar Jackson just completes that pass, in that instance, you, you, you've won the game and you're getting out of there looking at maintaining the number one seed – overall in the AFC, and instead they've now dropped down to the number three seed, if I'm not mistaken, in that conference. And so I don't hate it. Uh, hopefully it doesn't come back to bite them back in the butt a little bit later. But uh, overall, some good ba- uh, basketball, good football being played in the NFL. AFC specifically with the top six seeds being separated by two games. Um, it's anybody's tournament, knowing that there are seven seeds this year. Seeding is going to matter with only this first overall seed receiving a bye uh, in the playoffs this year. So I can expect to be uh, seeing some good football and some really big battles moving forward. Uh, any other games that kind of stood out to you that you wanted to, to mention on the week or just that Patriots and kind of checking them out was the kind of the highlight for you? Yeah, and then, like I said, um, Gardner Minshew, he, he, he showed up and um, did his thing uh, in, in placement of, of Jalen Hurts, you know, uh, you know, the NFL looks good right now, but that's what I'm saying. It, the biggest thing that stood out to me was kind of the Patriots separating themselves from the pack. So how many weeks are, are you away from giving us your Super Bowl pick? You think you you, you kind of got somebody in your mind, AFC, NFC, that you might want to bat, bat down? Uh, probably like another, probably another two weeks or so. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, you guys, our listeners out there, y'all make sure y'all hit us up on the Carolina Sports Talk line, cliff at carolinasportstalk.net. We'll give you guys two weeks, and the same time that we release our picks for the Super Bowl, we want to hear yours. So shoot us an email, be a part of the show, and let's go ahead and see how good our all of our Sportradamus' statuses are. As we move forward, we're going to talk a little bit about the NCAA football championship weekend. Uh, the conference tur- tournament or the conference championships were held this weekend with number 15, Oregon, falling to Utah 38-10. to Baylor taking care of Oklahoma State 21-16. Louisiana over App State 24-16. Alabama, the new number one team in the country, taking care of Georgia and a whopping 41-24 to victory. Mm. Uh, University of Houston, the number 21 team in the country, falls to Cincinnati. Michigan throttles Iowa 42-3. And lastly, Pittsburgh wins the ACC over Wake Forest 45-21. to Now, with that, with these games that happened this weekend, Championship Sunday, it rounded us out for the college football playoffs. Um, and the top four looked like this. Number one, the University of Alabama. Number two, Michigan. 
Number three, the Georgia Bulldogs. And number four, Cincinnati. So the matchups with the 1-4, Alabama will be taking on Cincinnati on New Year's Eve and Michigan and Georgia in that second game. Uh, bro, with, with those four, with those matchups for the national championship, what team are you favoring heading into the college football playoff? Um, I mean, it's neck and neck between Georgia and Alabama, but um, I would say Georgia or whatnot. Okay. Yeah, just personal bias reasons, I suppose. Okay, okay. I am a Harbaugh fan, both of John and Jim, but I would I would love to see Michigan win the national championship this year. And I know being a SEC guy, that's kind of weird. Um, and I typically am the type that even even though I root for Carolina, if, if we're not going to be in the national championship, I want to see the conference win. And I and I typically love when we get two teams in from the conference and knock out some of these other conference champions and everybody, oh, but guess what? At the end of the day, SEC is football. I've said it um, from one of our earlier episodes all the way up to this point. SEC is college football. However, comma, something about that Michigan squad, bro, for me, I just love the way they play football. They've got a hard-nosed defense that just throttles everybody every chance that they get, those, those players. Every time you see a play, whether it be sweeps, whether it be uh, just straight up the middle runs, whatever. You, they're rushing 11 hats to the ball every time. I love the way that they play defense. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm a fan of the Harbaugh's. I, I like the way that they coach. He got over a major hurdle this year in beating Ohio State. Granted, it is one hurdle, but it has primed them into the, this position that I think it would be a storied end of this season for him. A Michigan man coming back to Michigan, beating Ohio State, beating Penn State, getting these Ws that, they, that they've gotten throughout the season, and then to turn around and win the national championship. Now, again, they've got a really big matchup against Georgia. Georgia looked like world beaters all throughout the season, not playing the best of, of talent. I think they got a, a boost early in the season when they played Clemson before we understood just how terrible DJ Ungalayale really was. Uh, and, and throughout this year, they really didn't play a whole lot of folks anyway. But those who they did play, they handled just readily. But Alabama put a buzzsaw to them. And I think Georgia is, is going to be looking to really regain that status as the juggernaut defense that they can be and that they have been for most of the season. So that 3-4 matchup is, excuse me, the 2-3 matchup is really going to be the one that I'm kind of eyeing on New Year's Eve. I don't see Cincinnati having anything for Alabama. Um, Desmond Ritter has had a great season, a great career there. Uh, he will likely be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft as really the only quarterback uh, prospect in college right now that excites me worth anything. But after watching with watching what Alabama was able to do with that Georgia offense, I, I don't see him or any of his speedy receivers being able to do anything. So if I've got to select, I'm thinking it's going to be a one-two matchup with Alabama and Michigan in the national championship. And like I said, I would love to see Michigan take it. This the, for me, it's going to be the the Doogie Bowl because you know you know our Neo uh, Doogie McDougal. Yeah, uh, he's a Michigan man and an Alabama man. Actually, got his masters out of down in Alabama, but from Michigan, from the D and everything. So it'd be interesting to see if we can pull that out. We might have to get him on around that time if they are able to pull that matchup off. But um, definitely want to keep an eye on the college football playoff. Um, and that, at the end of the day, it brings us into bowl season. Uh, there is one particular bowl that's standing out to, uh, to both of us, I think, as well as just really to a lot of folks in our region, the Celebration Bowl. The Celebration Bowl is going to feature Jackson State University, 
against SC State University, bro. Uh, are you gonna be? Are you gonna try to make it out to Atlanta for the game? No. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you're gonna check it out on TV, though, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. I'm a Claflin Panther, even though I'm very excited. Trust me, and we'll talk about it. Um, we'll talk about this plenty, but yeah, I'm a Claflin Panther at heart. I'm not, you know, not going to root for somebody else, squad. I'm, yeah, I'm not getting up out of my, yeah, no, I'm not going to through go a lot all of traffic, sit in traffic, purchase tickets, purchase overpriced popcorn and, and soda. Now, I will say in Atlanta, the Mercedes-Benz um, Dome, they are the most affordable arena in football, in National Football League. And so even though it is a college event, bowl game being held there, their vending prices will still be the same. Prime example, um, for those who drink the alcoholic beverages, uh, when my family went to the Panthers Falcons game, I heard them ordering, and my cousin was like, "Let me get three beers," and the guy was like, twenty one dollars," and I was like, "Oh, that's not bad." And I started thinking about it. In Bank of America Stadium, those same three Bud Lights would cost you nearly forty dollars. So I mean, it, it 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 does absolutely make a difference. And then the sandwiches, I think it's chicken sandwiches, like four dollars as exposed to like twelve. So it is one of the more uh, uh, affordable arenas in football. But that's all cute. <laughs> Meanwhile, we'll still yeah. be watching it at uh, one, uh, 12 o'clock on December the 18th on ESPN. <laughs> and keeping all of that money in the cash app or the Venmo account. Already. But no, the game actually will be televised on ABC, as I mentioned, on December the 18th. It is the 2021 Cricket Celebration Bowl featuring the champions of the MEAC, the South Carolina State Bulldogs, against the champions of the SWAC, the number 15th ranked Jackson State Tigers. Now, we'll have some uh, other folks on coming up soon in the next couple of weeks to break down the game a a little bit more. Some uh, SESU alum, former football players, uh, a couple of guys who, you know, do their own podcast and are a little bit more familiar. And uh, just telling us and letting us know really what the impact of this is. Because although we know that it is an HBCU game, one, Coach Prime moves the needle because he is, at the end of the day, a Hall of Fame cornerback. Um, but the, the things that he has done for HBCU athletics are starting to transition again for the Celebration Bowl to be on ABC, not just ESPN or ESPN Plus or the Ocho or nothing like that. It's on their prime time on ABC. So uh, it's a big deal. Um, that's a big deal for them to be able to be playing, period, or whatever. And so um, we, we'll, we'll have some folks on here talking a little bit more about it to give us the details and kind of give some perspective as we're counting down 10 days from that matchup. Uh, one other bowl game that kind of stood out to me that I, I, I really, 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 really hope that I'm able to attend. It's down. It's going to be down uh, on the 30th of December here in Charlotte, North Carolina. It is the Duke's Mayo Bowl featuring the University of North Carolina matching up against my University of South Carolina Gamecocks. Uh, who early on favorites? Who who you got in that one? Um, I like I like the Tar Heels. Yeah, <laughs> of I don't even, course you do. Yeah. Now, and their quarterback uh, it has been decent. He didn't have the season that he anticipated. Uh, many thought that this would be kind of a breakout year for him, but that that losing those two top wide receivers that he did last year really, really hurt that offense. And so overall, it should be a good matchup. I know the last time that they played in Charlotte, it was a really great matchup. It was actually the kickoff to the season two years ago. And so um, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that one as the time gets closer to that as well. 
just before we get off of college football, uh, the coaching carousel has continued. Uh, we mentioned it last week, and, and if you've been paying attention to the news, this is the first unique season in that before the end of the, the regular season with uh, college football, there have been a lot of marquee name coaches who have left their previous spots to kind of go. And as you know, with dominoes, when one falls, another sin tends to do so as well. Oklahoma has hired Clemson University defensive coordinator Brent Venables as the Sooners' new football coach. Now, bro, you and I talked off air about this when it first dropped. Brent Venables being the highest paid assistant coach in college football was a big deal, and it was for a reason. Clemson was paying him because at the end of the day, his defense was what allowed those two national championships to come into Clemson. Um, and I guess this could have been a big deal or not, but the domino effect in, simply in Clemson has begun to, to fall as well. They're looking at losing their offensive coordinator. They've begun to lose commits. Um, do you think that this could sign the end of Clemson's dominance as a national powerhouse? Uh, I mean, it's, it's definitely contributed to it, put it like that. I think that that, that kind of started up, um, you know, I think that that kind of started up to, like, this season, the beginning of this season, if you will, um, with them showing their chinks in their armor, in other words, mm -hmm. with DJ not being – um, let's if we go through the pantheon of Clemson quarterbacks, it's a clear it's a clear difference. Mm -hmm. It's a clear drop off, if you will, respectfully, um, from your Deshaun's of the world, Trevor, and then mm -hmm. what you got this year. You know what I'm saying? So I think the writing in in so much in so many ways has been on the wall, and then this contributes to it. Um, like you said, if if I'm a recruit, um, if I've given a verbal and these things are happening, you know, as a high school athlete. Oh, Miss not look, yeah, look so might, bad. <laughs> yeah, listen, or I'll mess around and, and like, I, I understand what, like, Coastal is blue chip, everything. But listen, I'll be a chance to clear. Listen, and, and, they, and they're getting the pub. They were, I'll be, you know what I'm saying? I will be that. <laughs> they were a top 10 team this year. That's what I'm saying. Lost. That's yep. what I'm saying. Like, similar, uh, these... I hate to just keep dragging this on, but in, when you look in the basketball side of things with your Baylors or Butlers, when they made their splash or their footprint, mm -hmm. then it's like their players are almost carry around a different pride playing for those programs. Exactly. Same thing with App, App State and football. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Nova. How Jackson State is about to be. Yeah, Novan basketball. How Jackson State is about to be with, with, with football. So, you know, I, I, I think that the writing's been on the wall. And that this just contributes to, uh, I won't say the end of an era, but the transition. The transition. Because, I, like, do you think that Dabo is is close to being out? I think, like, a, a program like Clemson is similar to somebody like Pittsburgh to me. Like, they're going to stay with who they stay with through thick and thin, let, let you try it out or let you do whatever you got to do to try to get it right. And the only reason that I would say no is because if it appears that the wheels are really about to fall off and they're just going to lose relevance, I think Clemson has the university, and I, and I hate to take it to a much deeper level. Football for that university has caused everything else there to flourish. The institution itself has seen an uptick in enrollment, as happens with any sports, as with anything, anytime a college gets national notoriety. Instantly, you're going to see an uptick and in, in, in an increase in enrollment. 
with them, it got to the point where even behind the scenes, speaking with recruiters that I know from the institution, they started saying, okay, with all of these new applications, we need 14% more black men. So let's start looking at that now and just address these applications. We need uh, this many more Hispanic women. And so they were able to be that much more, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Selective with regards to their admissions based on the notoriety that the football team was going was was having. Even without having won the national championship and or to span when they won two in four years, mm-hmm. just that notoriety caused that. With the Clemson Exchange, with the agricultural work, everything else was able to get that much more revenue based on the awareness that their football team was getting. Throughout this season, they've not had that. And so it, it around week four, when the big national media realized oh this is a down year for them because let's be real no shade to dj but he's not even taj boyd (laughs) and and, you know and so with clemson like you said having that record of no we've got national tap top top talent at the quarterback position this year wasn't that for them and then now with everything else falling into part when it starts counting and costing dollars you can almost guarantee that if they feel like moving dabble out of the way is going to help them to gain and regain that traction well, Dabo, it's been cool, but uh, we're little old Clemson, and you're not here no more. Right, right. And so I definitely see them, uh, if if the wheels begin to to really rickety fall off like I think that they can, I wouldn't be surprised. Because truth be told, Dabo's a good guy. He's a great character. He may be a good leader and father figure. But to me, he's never been that great of a coach. He's always had Brent Venables. He's always had uh, Ch- uh, Chad Morris or or somebody else on the offensive side where he's had these really great high caliber assistant coaches who were the ones actually executing the X's and O's. And he was more like the game manager or the facilitator or the figurehead of a coach for them. So for them to have lost these important coaches now and now they were losing recruits and everything – with with the, the with the whirlwind that is coaching going on right now, I wouldn't be surprised to see them make some differences there. As a matter of fact, with Miami in conference, if you look right at the ACC, still they fired uh, Manny Diaz and Mario Cristobal was in from Oregon. It's about time. The, <laughs> you, you just was ready for that. Yeah, we need a change. I, I mean, they they bought some change was brought back to the. Uh, to the program, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. with the defensive chain and we're passing the chain around and we're branding our defense, but yeah, no. And I think he's the guy that you want to come after because as quiet as it's kept, now I don't know if you knew about this, but I, I'm a closet Miami fan. I used to, used to be a hard, hardcore Miami fan um, as a kid and, and then just as I started getting getting more into depth, but fell away. But anyway, um he has brought back the swag and the relevance of that Miami program. I think had he had another two years, he could have, you know, built a little bit more. But at the end of the day, they wanted a Miami man there. They wanted somebody, uh, you know, with Crystal Ball having played there, being familiar with the, with this institution and knowing what Miami football was. They want to get it back to the U. They are itching for that. And with all of these co- coaches' changes – it's about the recruitment at this point. They want the best players, and with the early signing period being in February, they're working now to get that head up and get the, get as far as ahead of it as possible. To link it back to um, to Clemson, excuse me, to the release of Dabo. Let's say Clemson says, you know what? Everybody else had the right the right idea. Let's go ahead. Now, I know we talked about it in, in our notes, even on what I'm looking at now. We talked about uh, Joe Brady possibly filling in the the job that uh, Cristobal left open out in Oregon. I think offensively, he is ideal. 
ideal for what the Oregon Ducks like to do with the tempo, with the creativity, with the passing game. Imagine that LSU offense uh, with Joe Burrow that won the national championship and broke all those records last year, but in Oregon Ducks green. And and it just seems like a good fit. So I could see him there. Or like I said, if Clemson was to make a move, I could even see Joe Brady there. And I guess I kind of buried the lead there. You know where I can't see him at? Where? In Carolina. And I guess I buried the lead. <laughs> in case you missed it, Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers, was relieved of his duties this past week. Uh, Coach Rule just simply said, it was never a good fit. Um, we, we never saw eye to eye. A lot of what he wanted to do contradicted with what I expected and what my vision was for this team. And so um, they actually tried to let him go on Saturday, but they couldn't get him. It's like, man, y'all not going to fire me on my day off. I'm on my bye week till Sunday. I'm not answering none of y'all calls till then. Uh, and Sunday they were able to get him, and that's when they ended up letting him go. Uh, well, um, it's like, you know, normally – Full, fully produced, you know, barstool sports production or something might have like <laughs> it's so hard to say goodbye in the background right now. Right, but I've literally I just wanna, looked at the board for I, it. <laughs> I do want to give a shout out to you, man, because I mean it wasn't on him; it was more so on McCaffrey. But you still, you still showed us Hubbard. You showed us what inefficiencies we have at with Robbie No Henderson. So I, I appreciate you, Joe. You exposed a lot of these cats. That, the talent and the and the non-talent that the we lack have. thereof. Yeah. Let me ask you this: Jason Garrett got canned in um, New, New York. York, and I mentioned that he was a scapegoat because ultimately they've not had an offensive line the entire season, and as a result, they've gotten their running back hurt. They've gotten their starting tight end. Every skill level position has experienced a severe injury, all the way to the quarterback with Daniel Jones now out. What looks like for a second consecutive week. Uh, so he was a scapegoat, and he was scapegoat, scapegoat. He been the one that took the fall for them, boy. <laughs> do you feel that Joe Brady was that here in Carolina, also, or do you think that um, what Coach Rule was really saying is like, yo, we 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 never saw eye to eye, so he wasn't a good fit? Which do you think is more likely, or do you think it's a mix of both? Uh, I think it's kind of a mix of both. Honestly, we know the <laughs> we know the tough game is. It's big dollars and mm-hmm. it's um it's it's high expectations. Uh it's what have you done for me lately league and it's also a past the buck league. So um you know how that that pecking order goes, you know what I mean? Um before the GM, it's the head coach. Before the head coach, it's gonna be the coordinators. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So uh before the coordinators is up there, you might end up cutting a player or two or whatever like that. So it's it's always that pecking order and rule the same way with the Giants head coach. They both feel probably like, you know, um, let me show like I'm you know I'm what I'm saying? Proactive. I'm doing right. something. Or or more or less like it ain't me, yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I wish Joe Brady well. Um, I was excited when he came in. Now, I will I will admit that I did not see this uh, level of complacency or uh, lack of production when he came. Because after coming off of what he did um, with that 2019 squad in LSU, well, it just seemed like the sky. Oh, we got Christian McCaffrey and we got da da I even went back and listened. I don't know if you guys, our listeners, tend to do that. But I went back and I listened to some of the old episodes and I listened to Franchise Talk. Uh, episode back in April when we first signed um, 
Uh, Sam Arnold. Sam, <laughs> Sam, help me, I ain't got no Arn. No. Maldon. Uh, yeah, so like, I was excited and I, and I stated then the reasons that it could work. But then I also said, if it doesn't, this is what we need to do. We're at the point where it's not worked, both with him and now with Joe Brady. Um, I am one, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, especially close to the offseason. I wouldn't be surprised, and I actually encourage them to trade Christian McCaffrey this season in the offseason. Um, so uh, we, we, we need, we're at a point where we need to build. Uh, we don't need to rely exclusively on him anymore. But again, I'm not going to dig too deeply into that. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this coaching carousel in the NCAA continues and moves forward. Uh, just as we are going to move forward into show, it's now time for some NBA. So let's get some scores and then we'll talk a little bit about the games. All right, so let's start off with the 76ers uh, topping the Hornets uh, in overtime, 127 and 124. The Thunder beat the Pistons, 114 to 103. The Pacers over the Wizards, 116 to 110. The Grizzlies over the Heat, 105 to 90. The Bulls beat the Nuggets, 109 to 97. The Bucks beat the Cavaliers, 112 to 104. The Timberwolves lost to the Hawks, 121 to 110. The Suns beat the Spurs 108-104, and the Warriors continue their winning ways over the Magic 126-95, and the Clippers, closing out the night of basketball, beat the Trailblazers 102-90. So shout out to everybody hooping last night. I'm not sure if you caught any of those games, um, but uh, shout out to the Warriors and the Suns for continuing their winning ways. Is it is it a foregone conclusion that those two are colliding in the Western Conference Final unit thing now, or somebody's gonna make some moves or something? What do you think? Right, it's 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 strong. Um, it's just that anything can happen, and and it's still it's still a long season, right? So, um, you know, years past where it, it would be like Boston and Philly situation, you know, mm-hmm. you know. For a fact that somehow, you know, one of the two of them was going to be there, or or, or they'll run into each other. Yeah, so you know, those those will be the popular names. Those will be the the familiar names whenever uh, playoff time comes around. But um, you know, they're they're doing their best to separate themselves right now from everybody else. For me, I, I'm keeping my eyes on the Los Angeles Clippers. Without uh, Kawhi Leonard in the in the, in the lineup, they have been. Quietly starting to win some games. They're one game above 500, um, currently riding a four-game win streak. Um, and although t- the Trailblazers kind of <laughs> are who they are, um, what I'm anticipating right now, like you said, it's a lot of basketball yet to be played. Um, I'm interested in seeing what what they're able to do if they make any noise before the trade deadline to get some help. Because I wouldn't be surprised if Kawhi just did not play the entire season. Um, but Paul George has been lighting it up. Uh, dropping 21 points uh, last night against the uh, Trailblazers. Um, Marquise Morris, with the, he, he is playing incredible defense, and he's he's playing good. And so, although I don't want the Clippers to win, I'm, I'm going to keep my eye on them as somebody who could possibly come and challenge either Philly, excuse me, either um, Golden State or Phoenix. But of course, my Los Angeles Lakers. I wholeheartedly believe. That on after the 15th of December, when players acquired at the beginning of the season are able to then be traded, 
that we will be making some moves. I know that traditionally LeBron James's uh, led teams do a lot of moving and shaking, but if you think back to the year that uh, 2015, if I'm not mistaken, when he won the championship with the Cavs, um, they had a roster that, that year that started off with D Wade and a bunch of them other fellas, and then it kind of morphed and, and switched around and changed by the time they got ready to come to the postseason. It was a completely different roster. I fully expect that to be the case with LA. I'm hoping that we realize the areas that have not been successful with us. Brody, we're talking about you. Uh, Russell Westbrook is, is a player who I've respected for his tenacity, but um, it, it, the experiment did not work. Um, I was apprehensive about it, but it, at the end of the day, it just point blank is not working. Um, Tyrese Halibut would have been a better player for us in that role. Um, so many other will, others would have been, but either way, I, I expect him to be able to be shipped out of town. We appreciate it. Uh, you can take the Lakers jersey with you, hang it up on your wall, let let your kids know I played for the Lakers, even though I didn't make it a full season. And uh, let's get some folks in here who can shoot and play defense and help the Lakers because right now. All that arguing I did at the beginning of the season, saying how we weren't old and how uh, Michael's Bulls were older and all oh, these other old teams and da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, no, nah, it's not working right now. When uh, coming off the bench, when Carmelo Anthony is your leading bench scorer for the season, you got an issue. When your young guys aren't able to stay on the court because they're not healthy, you got an issue. When Anthony Davis told us at the beginning, told us at the beginning of the year, I do not want to play the five. I am a four. I do not want to play the five. And you got him starting at the five anyway. It, something else needs to change. Now we we had a better performance with um, with your boy uh, Goofy Man. Go uh, ahead, pull it out. I, like I really don't care about any Lakers talk. So oh, this guy. Go ahead. Um, Dwight Howard. See, I, I know it's gonna come. When when we put Dwight Howard into the starting lineup, we looked a bit more fluid. And and of course, with AD back in his natural position, he had more effort and talent. But that's something that's not consistent because at the end of the day, we are old. Uh, even with Jordan coming off uh, the bench, or even if he's in the starting lineup, uh, we need to find something that's going to allow us to be more athletic at the five, um, where AD does not have to be the athleticism at the five and, and, and put us in a better position. Um, overall, there's a lot of not fitting pieces, much similar to what your New York Knicks look like right now. Um, what do you think are some of the moves that y'all need to make? Are you looking forward to you guys trading? Because right now y'all are in, in the seventh seed or the eighth seed in the East? Yeah, just finish the season. Just get there. Just finish the season. There's no – we don't have any postseason expectations of <laughs> doing grand things and all of that. Look, man, just get through the season. Yeah, well, the Lakers don't uh, for, unfortunately don't have that luxury of just making it through. But there, there were a lot of expectations at the beginning beginning of the season, and even now, um, Stephen A. Smith. Uh, I listened to him, and he was saying how they were borderline irrelevant when it came to the championship discussion as currently constructed. And for once, I actually had to agree with that guy. As we are currently constructed, I do not see the Los Angeles Lakers being able to sustain uh, any hopes of winning a championship. But um, It'll definitely be something that we are taking a, uh, taking a look at. And that's what we're talking about uh, basketball. Let's jump, jump straight into big deal, no thing. Nah, that ain't no thing. That's a big deal. We give you a couple of headlines and tell you whether or not it's a big deal or not a thing. First up, we will, as I mentioned, stick with the NBA. Steph Curry is only 16 three-pointers away from breaking Ray Allen's 
three-point record. Big deal or no thing? Um, leaning heavily toward no thing, but I'm going to go ahead and say big deal. That's a big deal. Nah, that ain't no thing. Why you say it? What What's yours in the true fashion? Nah, that ain't no thing. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, like I said, I was leaning heavily toward no thing, but um, uh, look, man, you just got to applaud greatness whenever it's before you. Um, I want a special stat to get uh, researched and found out or mined mm-hmm. about how many of those three-pointers are buzzer beaters from three-fourths or fourth of the court or further out. Mm. Because the other night... Um, Homie stole it from him right before the beginning of the first quarter was over, or before the first quarter was over. He inbounds it again to face full court defense from the guy, mm-hmm. just to launch it from half court in his face and and make it like and turn around and walk off. <laughs> so nothing is nothing to me. With Wardell is no thing. I just had too much respect for the guy in that in that regard. Now your argument for why it's no thing is probably supporting why I felt like it was no thing as well, but go ahead. There's when there's a level of expectation of greatness, it's just that's just the norm and, and, and it becomes that. During Michael Jordan's time in the league, he could have made an argument to have been MVP every year. Through much of LeBron James's career, there's an argument that each year he could be MVP. Same thing for Tom Brady. And and even now for for Steph Curry, the fact that he is sixteen three point three pointers away, and they're talking about him breaking that record in his next game, not not in the next couple of games. They're saying can he break it in the next game? Sixteen three pointers, and he was like, "Man, never say never." To me, that is wildly mm-hmm. maddening. That's four threes a quarter. <laughs> that is like. And, and, it, and it's feasibly possible for this guy. And so for me, that's why I say it's not a thing, because at the end of the day, he is the greatest living shooter that basketball has ever seen, point blank. And I, I can't even say living at this at, at this point. It may realistically be not blasphemy to just say he's the greatest shooter ever, you know? And so, no, it's not a thing for me, because, like, bro, really? He's going to get it. It's 16. The fact that they're saying no, it's can he get it in this game? That's like, come on, bro. So, yeah, it's not a thing that he's going to pass that. It's just a, a matter of time at this point. Uh, moving forward and big deal, no thing. UConn's Paige Beckers is out six to eight weeks with a tibial plateau fracture in her leg. Big deal or no thing? A big deal. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. I agree. Why you say um, stay with me on this one, but it to me marks um uh some signs of it being uh shifting guards whenever it comes to women's college basketball. Mm-hmm. Um it was an avoidable thing. Um and a Gino Oriyama of several years back, he's not keeping a Diana Tarasi in at the end of the game like that. He's not mm-hmm. keeping certain other players in the game, Amaya um in the game at the end like toward the end if it's situations like that but i think again he it's a situation where he wants to keep his program relevant uh i hate to even take the shine off of the young lady i prayed the best for her in a speedy recovery 
But uh, it's all about Don Staley and what's going on in Columbia right now when it comes to women's college basketball. So, again, the, the choice may have been um, to keep her in. It may have been rooted in, um, you know, causes or attempts to keep the program out there in the headlines or, or you know, if we smoke this team by this much, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, then maybe we'll show that we're dominant still or they'll start writing about, about us in, in such fashion. I agree. Um, Coach ha- has been the pinnacle of women's basketball success. There's, there's no doubt that he is a Hall of Famer and possibly one of the greatest top four women's basketball coaches ever. But as you mentioned, the parity and the changing of the guard with the squad that you, that that South Carolina has, with Oklahoma has, that Notre Dame has, there are teams out there that he realized that, that they're gunning for. They've already got a loss to South Carolina on the year. Uh, and in fact, with Paige being out, it dropped them from number two just to number three with just that simple fact. Um, I think that him having her out there was indicative of comments that he made a couple of games ago when he says, I just point blank was transparent and said, I don't like our team a lot when she's not out there. And so as much as I can have her on the floor, I want her on the floor. And even he went further to say she's a pain in the butt when she's not out there because she's hollering at him for plays to run. He's hollering at them. In a lot of ways, she feels like what Kobe was (laughs) for the Lakers in just being a floor general when I'm here this is my team, and and even as a sophomore, she has that command over the squad. And so, um, it, as you mentioned, we wish her a speedy recovery. Um, we, we definitely want to see them succeed as much as possible, as long as it's not at the expense of the Gamecocks. Shout out to them. Uh, but, no, I, I, it, I want her to be better by January. And that, uh, I want to say January 30th matchup against the Gamecocks. That's right at the seven and a half week timeline so it's within the bounds of her being back because when we beat them I don't want that want it being said that oh they beat them shorthanded or because although we've already beat them once um there's some who say that the Gamecocks national championships uh, national championship that they won a few years back was invalidated because of the upset Mississippi State had over um UConn and then we beat you beat, beat Mississippi State in the championship so there were some say, oh, well, it's tainted because they didn't go through UConn. You play who's in front of you, but there's still that asterisk there. So we want them healthy and at full strength. We wish her a speedy recovery so she can come and catch this L uh, in Columbia in January. So get well soon, Paige Breckers, so we can go ahead and bust that head in later on in the year. So as we move forward, it is mail time. You've got mail. we got a couple of emails uh, up in the box today. The first one says... Uh, it comes from our homeboy, friend of the show, Yoshi, uh, over with the Relationship Status Podcast. It says, what's up, my man Cliff and DJ Hostoff? First off, I want to say that I'm a huge fan and keep up the good work. So next, the top three things that need to be on my Thanksgiving plate are curry goat, mac and cheese, and oxtails from the islands. Honorable mention to fried turkey and rice and peas. Now, Cliff. It's good to see you come to your senses about the Panthers. And I would like for you to publicly acknowledge that I would I was right. And then I have the instructions to pause to hear it. That's all you get right there, bro. His email then goes on to say, the best, avail- best ability is availability. And I think Zion is a bust if you look at that scope. I think the worst move in the NBA this year was the Russ move. Uh, he's been a stat-padding bum. 
And then he goes on to mention Battle for the Burrows. Um, um, no. no. <laughs> and, that's a, and that's a throwback to my suggestion for the uh, the Brooklyn, the versus Brooklyn Knicks. Nets versus the Knicks, the Battle of the Burrows, which I think is a good idea. I'm going I'm to I'm usher that I'm on a, up the chain. I'm going to go with the fellow New Yorker. <laughs> so you New, York, you New Yorkers say no, but... And we, you just say, we say, um, no. Uh-huh. And he finishes off the email. Good, good, uh, good. Keep up the good work, bro. Yoshi, again, from Relationship Status Podcast. Appreciate you, bro, shooting out the email to us, man. We look forward to getting you back on with us again. Uh, he said a lot in there. Uh, let's start off with this Thanksgiving plate, dog. Uh, have you ever had curry goat? I've had all of that, though. Everything, I everything, Chris. And it's good like seen. that. See, I ain't never I, I'm. I'm I don't know how I feel about curry because it be spicy sometimes. You know, I don't feel that spicy stuff, but I'm willing to try goat. Is goat a red meat? Uh, you'd have to ask Yoshi. Okay. No goat is Chris and Irie. Oh, well, say less. I might give it a try. I mean, as long as it's not a red meat, I can fool with it. Uh, oxtails used to be good when it was busting. So shout out to your plate, bro. Those, that's useful. Everything on there. With regards to the Panthers, listen, it's as as my uh, cousin Stephen A. Smith says, it's a fluent situation. And I mean, I'm a reporter on it, how it is each and every week. And so at this point, yeah, now we're trash. And I'm not even going to, you know, hold you on that. When it comes to Zion Williamson, I do want to take a look into that. It's recently been reported that Zion had another setback with his um, with his injury and is going to be out a few more weeks. Did you happen to catch the picture of him at their latest game in that red tracksuit? Oh, nah. This coming from a man whose name is Big Cliff, Zion Williamson looks like the black stunt double for Santa Claus right now, bro. This guy is humongous. And now this is being after we know... This being said, after last year, we know uh, there were the struggles with his weight, and so a lot of folks were so worried about whether or not he would be able to be successful. And he's honestly, up to this point, only played 56% of the eligible games that he could have played since coming into the league. That availability key is really big, and it's, it's a huge thing. Are you ready to put the bust label on Zion? No, but I am ready to give the uh, shout-out for the second week in a row. To that shrimp etouffee and those crawdaddy down there in New Nola, New Orleans. Because uh, listen, you put a plate in front of me, I'm not turning it down. It, listen, so I don't even blame them. But you're not getting paid millions of dollars to turn down a plate, bro. Like you've got to Is be the man in- on drugs. Uh, I doubt it. Yes, I doubt he is. Is is, is at he this out point there? the food can be is a he drug? out there being a, a womanizer or, or anything like that? To our knowledge, dog, no. gluttony is a sin. Listen, the kid just likes to eat, man. Nah, Nobody was bro. saying that whenever he was five or six-year-old, and they was probably giving him Roger Wood sausages and um, he cried and, and get and a heavy with grits, a bread. grits with heavy cream out there in, in Spartanburg or, or wherever. <laughs> Nobody was saying nothing then. Yeah, but it's different now, bro, with where I he guess. is and the responsibilities that he has. Like, listen, listen, y'all, y'all, y'all wanted him to carry around all of that weight on them knees in his eleventh and twelfth grade year, busting all of a sudden, Duke. exactly. And all of a sudden, we want him to slim up. That's all he's known all of his life. No, but see, there's a to difference. Be a chunkier guy. It's a difference between slimming up and not putting on extra weight. He looks at this point. He looks every bit of two eighty, two ninety, bro. If I got anything north of five hundred thousand dollars in my bank account. You not going to be able to tell me anything about what I'm eating. So, Straight up. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this question, bro. 
if we give you $500,000 right now and say, yo, you can take this 500000 and eat whatever you want, or you can eat right, and we'll go ahead and slide you another two mil in it's a year not, or two. That's not even, again, that's not the question. That's not That's not the question. I'm just saying, like, anything. I, I'm not naive to the fact that, okay, I need to keep my body in shape. I need to go ahead and uphold because I'm a professional athlete. Now, I know all of that. Yeah. But I'm having fun with it because he's chunky. I hear you. He and he is definitely that. Well, well, matter of fact, to, to give you all the perspective, we will go ahead and put the picture up of uh, Mr. Zion Williamson uh, in their latest home game in the red track suit, looking like Santa's stunt double up on the Carolina Sports Talk Instagram page, so you can check it out and see. But I am worried about the guy, not just because he's from South Carolina. Um, I understand struggles with weight, and so I'm not judging him. I'm not gonna shame him for that or nothing like that. But at the end of the day. He, you got, you make enough money, and the team should have enough money invested in you to say we need to do what we can to make sure that this guy is not only getting healthy but getting healthy. You feel me? And so to be able to overcome and and get back from these um, injuries, because at the end of the day, he is very much approaching that bust status for me. Uh, and 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 I know how electric he is. I know how like his I, pants are gonna bust. <laughs> Shout out to Zion's Taylors, bro. But no, like we really, really want to keep an eye on him to to see uh, how he's able to be successful. Uh, he his trading value is diminishing daily. Every every week goes by that he's not there. He's losing a lot of value, um, even not just as a serviceable player for uh, for his franchise. I started to say the Thunder for his franchise, but really to to be able to be traded somebody to somebody else as well. So as we move forward, we've got one more email. It says, congrats, it says, greetings, gentlemen. I've missed a few episodes since you returned from the hiatus. Something is missing. You talk about everything else except for this topic. Is there a reason? Can we get some love? Have you at least given a thought to discussing the impact that Deion Sanders has had on HBCU football? Jackson State University has 60,000 people in the stands. The team has lost one game, and they are just in year one, year two technically. The coaches that you discussed last week that got paid cannot produce excitement and power to the sport. In a few weeks, the MEAC champs, SC State University, and the SWAC champs, Jackson State University, coached by uh, Sanders, will head will go head to head in Atlanta in the Celebration Bowl. The the potential for this to be epic with regards to attendance and exposure to HBCU football could be unprecedented. Talk about it or I'll steal your Christmas. Signed, The Grinch, also known as your Carolina Sports Talk Troll. Well, Mr. Sports Talk Troll, we appreciate you. We, in fact, have uh, been talking slightly about uh, HBCU football, uh, and we will be making a concerted effort to do so a little bit more. Your opinions matter to us. So if you've got something that you want to hear that we've not yet talked about on the Carolina Sports, hit us up on the Carolina Sports Talk line, cliff at carolinasportstalk.net so that we can share those with you. In fact, Mr. Troll, for the next couple of weeks, we will have some folks coming in. I actually hope to have in studio one, uh, as I mentioned earlier, former SCSU football player, one of our good fraternity brothers, who uh, had some unique insight into the program to let us know uh, what their heads are looking like kind of headed into this matchup and what we can expect with that matchup in Atlanta on the 18th. So keep your eyes forward to that and keep your eyes peeled. Um, 
But we love talking about the HBCUs. We even love mentioning teams from your hometown. So if again, if you're from someplace different and listening to us here in the Carolinas, hit us up, Cliff at CarolinaSportsTalk.net, so we can go ahead and give you the the, the things that you want to hear talked about with your favorite teams as well. Bro, any uh, HBCUs that you kind of? Well, no, you already said you just rocking with Claflin, Claflin over everybody. For sure. <laughs> All right. As we move forward, one more segment. Nothing to do with sports. Now, uh, Hi Star, there's one that you wanted to talk about. We'll start rock with that one first, and then we'll get into the other one. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I don't have like details regarding what school it was, but uh-huh. high school basketball um, game ended with the regular handshake line, and um, you know, one of the younger guys. <sighs> Never mind, man. I can't. Say all of the jokes that I want to say, but <laughs> one of the younger guys, um, pretty much two piece, three piece to one of his fellow, you know, his mm-hmm. fellow athletes and stuff like that. And you know, so there's no room for that, of course, in sports. Is a handshake line is is there for a reason and to display the sportsmanship on both sides. But yeah, he, uh, a man caught it. A man caught it bad. Yeah, and uh, for those of you who may have missed it. The I there was an Iowa State basketball game, high school game. Uh, player apparently was being antagonized throughout the game. Iowa State though. Oh, you saying like the high school was in Iowa? Yeah, in the gotcha. state of Iowa, gotcha. high school. Yeah, um, the the high school player was being antagonized. Didn't like what some of the guys were saying through it. So and, and after the team lost, he decided instead of shaking hands, I'm letting loose, and he threw hands instead. Uh, he was actually indicted afterwards and was arrested on assault and kicked off of his basketball team. Uh, it's it's unfortunate, man. But these kids today built a little bit different, man. Very. Uh, so, y'all, sportsmanship is alive. I, now, I did mention to you when we talked off air, even at the um, Claflin University game with the women's, when they lost to Benedict, they just hit the they hit the showers. They were like, "Yeah, now nah, we're good. We're not. Yeah, now nah, all that shaking hands stuff." My initial thought was that, "Oh, it must be COVID protocols. They're not allowing them to shake hands." But then both of the men's programs immediately in the next two games afterwards. They shook hands, and so mm. Mm, let me find out that uh, sportsmanship isn't quite as alive as it once really was. But yeah, shout out to the, the to the guy who got hit. Now, for me, bro, what the whole scenario that kind of threw me with the with the, with everything was as the buddy as the winning team player was getting attacked by the other team's player. You had some of his teammates who were there and who immediately went into the. Carmelo Anthony role of nah he go get a movement and then kind of trying to separate it but then you also had some who just kind of walked away now if it was you and you getting like snuck and just you know sidetracked from or side snapped from somebody do you want your teammates coming to help you or, or you want to handle it yourself or how yeah how no, would you want absolutely. that yeah we want them to, to come and help or whatnot certainly now I Big Cliff does not nor does Carolina Sports Talk condone violence but uh, if my teammates bamming and, and and I'm not if somebody's coming to fight me on my team and my teammates not fighting, we got a problem when we get back to the locker room. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, one more topic we have with our nothing to do with sports. This one is actually for the first time really got nothing to do with sports. All of our nothing to do with sports have been sports adjacent <laughs> up until this point. But in case you missed it, there was a story that just stuck out to me that there are still some honest people in the world, but at what point does honesty deserve a reward? In case you missed it, Justin the Plumber, 
Uh, the man who discovered checks and cash to the tune of $600,000 inside the wall at Lakewood Church, which we know to be the church of um, the televangelist, uh, what's his name, um, Joel Oldstein. Uh, the plumber found the money in the wall after doing some repairs, uh, and the money after doing some, uh, it was checks and cash and money orders. After a little bit of research, they found that it was money that had been lost or believed to have been stolen in 2014. Uh, well, after having already been set out and had reward money and everything, they were like, now there's an investigation of how this money ended up in a wall in the church. Uh, now, it happened uh, a few days ago. And to this point, uh, Justin the plumber has not received any word back. Now, the church put up a $25,000 reward, uh, and then the Crime Stoppers locally there put up another $5,000. Uh, the $25,000 after a year was actually just donated on behalf of the church, and then the Crime Stoppers left theirs. But what they have said is that the money that was offered through their reward was only going to be awarded if it led to a prosecution of the theft. Um, but Mr. Mr. Justin, the plumber said, well, I was a good guy. I deserve something. Uh, I could have took this $600,000 and I could have ran. Um, <laughs> bro, I guess my question to you, bro, it, do you do good to say you're doing good or do you do good to actually with the expectation of some type of reward? No, nah, I mean, it's the latter. Uh, certainly you just, uh, you just gotta listen. Karma is karma is real. So Got to respect the, the laws of the universe, um, you know. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, for me, if I'm doing right, it's with the understanding that I am going to get it back, but not so much in a monetary reward or in some type of recognition. I believe in the energy, like you're just talking about, putting out the good and doing as much good for as much bad as I've done, even though I'm not a bad guy. Shout out to me being a good guy. Um, just just the energies, just as much good as I can put out there, I know it's going to come back to me in some sort of way. So I'm not the one that if I see somebody drop money, I'm going to just be like, oh, well, that's my money. No, nah, I'm going to yo, you dropped it. Now, if I just see some money laying around, that's mine. That's mine. That's my blessing. Appreciate it. But for this situation, it's very unique. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up cutting them a check or bringing them, you know, some type of recognition or something. But folks, don't do good for the for the sight of it, or just because you're expecting good in return. Just just be good people, like not hitting people in lineups, walking down because you lost, not fighting, spitting on fans because you lost. Like let's just be good people. Can we do that? Tis the season, folks. Mm -hmm. DJ High Star, anything you want to highlight to people on the way out? No, nah, man. I mean, y'all finish up that shopping. Uh, don't let the holiday season get the best of y'all. You know. <laughs> Say less. Well, as always, it's your man, Big Cliff. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate you hollering at us this week. Make sure you check us out next week on your favorite podcast app or tell your smart speaker, play Carolina Sports Talk. You can hit us up on Facebook or Instagram at Carolina Sports Talk or hit us up on the Carolina Sports Talk line, cliff at carolinasportstalk.net. Until next week, peace.